Okay, so good morning guys. Hope everyone's doing well today. Um, got some good news to talk about, or I mean, I guess not good, but interesting to say the least. Not as exciting as the Galactic Federation story, but still nonetheless pretty good. So let's jump right into it. Now, we've been hearing and seeing across not just the mainstream media, which they seem to be trying to suppress it. And please don't take that as a, as a presentation of me being against it. I'm just trying to get and gain both sides of the perspective here. And so when we look at what's going on in the UK, particularly with the COVID vaccine, specifically Pfizer's vaccine, there was a little bit of criticism that they approved this before the FDA did. And the FDA is generally known, even though it's American, it's generally known as the sort of global standard, give or take, for when certain things such as food or new types of processed uh, material, or in this case, vaccines get approved and so they had not approved it at the time that the uk did and so the uk already started mass inoculations now here's the thing this is why i don't blame people when i look at both sides of the story or both perspectives here because when you look for example at the fact that a lot of people not just in the uk but all over the world a lot of institutions a lot of major corporations are saying you cannot access their services in in for example in one case fly on a certain plane or in general fly on any plane it seems like it's getting to without taking the vaccine personally if i could honestly say in my humble opinion i have a fundamental disagreement with that simply because i believe that if you honestly in my and i've said this before if you want me to take a test before i head on a plane i got no problem with that but to say you know oh yeah everything in society is going to open up again but listen you know in order to do 80 percent of what you were doing before COVID hit you got to have the vaccine it scares me guys when i hear and when i read that six people died yesterday alone in the uk many people are experiencing facial paralysis and other side effects now it's one thing if you take the vaccine and then maybe you have a fever for a couple of days that's one thing but then if there's long-term effects that are unknown, specifically because of the use of mRNA, which is a very new, newly used uh, type of technique and type of uh, technology, I guess we could call it. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know the proper terms, but you get what I'm saying. It's hard to see what's going on here. Now, yes, the great thing is that I guess we could say on a public level, this is science and the fact that we were able as a, a collective species, I guess generally speaking then major countries were able to come together to solve the problem for the betterment of humanity i think it's i think that's a great way to look at it but there's also the other side of looking at it which is that this is some type of plot or new world order phenomenon that is that was part of their overall timeline and so there's two ways to look at it and i don't blame either side and it's not because i'm trying to play neutral but it's because i genuinely see both sides of the argument and when I look at this, I, I do have to say, though, that I tend to lean a little bit more to this um, to the aspect of, I guess we could say center right in with the respect to with respect to sorry, taking the vaccine and having it be mandatory in order to head on a plane or to do basic things. I personally, I disagree with that. I think that that's taking it a little bit too far. But again, we'll see what happens, because the only way we'll know is if things gen genuinely play out across the board. Now, the next thing I want to talk about very quickly, and I think I've mentioned this before, has to do with the fact that there is a massive strike going on in India. Now, the reason why I bring this up again is because of the fact that I want to just provide an example of how mainstream media controls such a strong narrative. Now, yes, if you Google what's going on in India, you can actually see what's going on. It's not like it's, it's hidden or some type of uh, shadow government is trying to suppress it from us. But at the same time, 
when you hop on the news, for people who are a little bit older and rely strictly on cable TV and radio as their news, not just local radio or local TV, but even a national TV, you will not hear a single thing about this. 250 million Indians are striking right now. Now, from my understanding, even more, thousands, hundreds of thousands more are striking and began striking yesterday because of a particular law having to do with um, this law favoring corporations over farmers. And I, I don't know the specifics of it, so I can't comment on it, but clearly it must be enough to justify 250 million people striking about that. Now, maybe there's more to it than just that, but with that being said, 250 million people is the size of a substantially large country, let alone a, just a group of people. And you'd think that would be reported, but again, maybe it doesn't suit the narrative. And I do have to say, when we take a look, for example, at James O'Keefe from Project Veritas, I know he's a very controversial figure, but when we see him exposing um, calls with, the, with Jeff Zucker, the CEO of CNN, and you see that there's not a direct bias, but there's an implicative bias. Okay, and if we take a look, for example, at, I believe her name is Barry Weiss, if I'm not mistaken, at when she left the New York Times. Now, yes, granted, she was an opinion piece writer, but her saying that essentially social media has now become the, uh, the editor-in-chief for the mainstream media says something. And she says that she was never told directly to lean to the left or lean to a more liberal bias. But what happened was that the implication from her colleagues and her superiors was that of, listen, just kind of, you know, push it to a more of a liberal-leaning perspective. And look, guys, I got nothing against liberals. I got nothing against conservatives. But the thing is here is that the problem is that when the, rec the, the, the paper of record of institutional establishment, like the New York Times, is implying these things, and this is not a new story. This is from a handful of months ago. It just goes to show the way in which things lean. Now, I would also disagree if things leaned to the right within these institutions. I think in, I, listen, everyone's human. People make mistakes, but we need to be as down the middle as possible. But again, everyone has an agenda whether we know it or not. And I'm not saying, for example, even myself, there may be certain things that I say at certain times that I will regret saying later because I'm human. I'm not perfect. And that's kind of one of the points of this show is to consider all the possibilities before we jump to the conclusion of, oh, well, this is radical and this is this is way too extreme and this, this and that. Right. So moving on. Next thing we uh, I want to talk about is that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, is under investigation, federal investigation for his taxes. Now, there's stories circulating on, all over the place. I cannot help but think, guys that when the Hunter Biden story from the New York Post came out before the election and Twitter was censoring it, I cannot help but think that Twitter was caught cold-handed when Senator Ted Cruz questioned the CEO of Jack Dorsey when he said, how come, did, how come you removed the Hunter Biden story from the New York Post, the third most circulated newspaper in the United States of America? And the CEO of Jack Dorsey replied, he said, well... When we looked at it, this was information that was obtained illegally, and we cannot endorse that. Senator Ted Cruz, whether you like the guy or not, made a very valid point when he countered back and said, Mr. Dorsey, weren't Trump's tax returns obtained by the New York Times illegally obtained as well? And then he caught him cold-handed right there. And I'm not trying to create some type of divide or partisanship. What I'm trying to say here, and I'm not trying to make anyone lean to one bias or the other, I'm simply saying one must be consistent 
with their, I guess we could call it censorship or outrage if you're going to do these kind of things. So if you're going to block the Hunter Biden story from the New York Post, a very respected uh, newspaper outlet, then, and you're going to shut down, temporarily suspend the, the Twitter account of the, um, of the journalist who specifically wrote that article, who works at the New York Post, then you need to do the same thing for the New York Times when they talked about the Trump tax returns. You have to be consistent. And this is the problem. Because of the fact that there is censorship that is uncontrolled in a way that the public cannot oversee, that's how we know there is a major issue at hand here. So Hunter Biden's being investigated, and allegedly it mainly has to do with his dealings in China. Now listen, at the end of the day, all these guys are are corrupt at the end of the day to one degree or another. It just comes down to the lesser of two evils. In theory, in theory, when you look at any president, Republican or Democrat, the corruption is there. Maybe on, on a personal level, they may be genuinely good people, but at the same time, they, they might not be. But they fall into the circle of corruption because unless the system will change from the bottom of a foundational fundamental level, nothing's going to really change dramatically. If we take a look, for example, very quickly at the, the new nominees that Biden's bringing into his administration, some of them seem fantastic. Others I question very much because they look to be the same thing, the same um, people that were in there when Obama was there. And so I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm saying we have to be vigilant with our questioning. We have to sit back and go, wait a minute. This is a little bit like eight years ago, uh, four years ago, or this is too much. Uh, this is a little too radical or things like this. And I would apply the same type of questioning if there was a Republican president. Because don't get me wrong, I, I have no problem bashing both sides. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is a Democratic, I believe, congresswoman, if I'm not mistaken, who ha was being threatened, being called the N-word and all kinds of things like this. I don't care uh, w which color you are or wh what culture you're from. It's terrible. Nobody should call anybody any names. With that being said, I do have to say that this congresswoman fired back in a way that I found to be encouraging violence. And if you look at it, she was implying that she was saying things like, uh, quote, we have our people too and tell our people to get ready and quote and things like that. Now, people will say, look, she's just standing up for herself. Look, guys, I get it. I don't blame her. But if she's a congresswoman or any type of if she holds any type of position within government, whether it's at the high level, the mid-level, or the low level, you need to set an example of no matter how much, how many death threats you've gotten, no matter how, how badly you've done or um, how badly you're being attacked outside of your home, you need to set an example of civility because it automatically calms people down. Now, first thing you might say to, to counter that is, Dave, well, didn't Trump's lawyer call for the beheading of the former cybersecurity chief? He did. And I, I, I say the same thing. That is abs. And didn't Michael Flynn, who Trump pardoned, call for a military coup so Trump could stay in power? Yeah. And I say the exact same thing. They should not be saying that whatsoever. So I criticize both sides here, guys. I think there's too much partisanship because because of a label of an R or a D, Republican or Democrat. But I look at both sides and I have to again, one must be consistent with their outrage if they're going to take such a strong view and a strong stance. I, I personally believe that's the way it must be, regardless of what party anyone is affiliated with. And that's the major problem. That's the major problem we have now, because, again, the right will use or the far right will use that clip of that Democratic congresswoman and take certain things out of context and use that to justify ramping up some type of movement, movement which is fine. But as long as that movement get, doesn't get physical, we're OK. But if that movement gets physical, which people on the right tend to get a little more of, which... I mean, look, no one should get physical either in either way, but if that's the case, then it's just inciting more and more violence. And so I, 
I condone both sides of the rhetoric, to tell you guys the truth. I think that at, at, at this point in time, the country's divided. I would dare to say the world is divided. There are lots of countries in Europe that are going down the same road as the U.S. in a lot of good ways, but in a lot of negative ways as well. And so when we take a look at that, we have to say the only way out of this is civility. You can fundamentally disagree with someone and still be friends with them. A hundred percent. People talk smack to each other, whether it's via the internet or in person or whatever it is. But then when they meet each other face to face, they automatically calm down because why? That's natural human behavior. We need more civility. It's as simple as that. So the last thing I want to talk about regarding uh, today's news has to do with uh, a couple things. Well, first off, YouTube said that as of yesterday or the night before, I believe, they're censoring videos having to do with the vaccine and all that stuff. So again, oh, and, and also having to do with election fraud, by the way. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe this video might get taken down. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. So the last thing that I wanted to mention was that Congress passed a bill that had to do with Pentagon funding. And it's ironic because it kind of falls in line with a lot of the episodes I've been speaking about lately, which is that they passed the bill in unison and bipartisanly, meaning they were both on agreement. And in a time and date of this of this political climate, the fact that they could agree on anything is phenomenal to me. But they passed this bill. And what happened here was that it was 740, give or take, billion dollars for the, a, a secret Pentagon program, from my understanding. Now, why is it when it comes to the military, the Democrats and the Republicans pass bills like it's nothing? Now, we can get a little bit conspiratorial here and say that because they need to keep those within the military industrial complex happy. They need to keep those within um, the, the military happy just because the private contractors wield so much influence and fund both parties, which could be the case. In, in many cases, you have big oil and um, big tech and uh, and big, I guess we could call it arms development or big weaponry com private contractors pretty much having to do with exclusive military contracts especially the black budget ones they fund both sides they fund the republicans and the democrats and look the whole criticism here is not that this 740 billion dollar bill was passed but the criticism here was that this was passed before the covid relief bill and so it just goes to show in a lot of cases that congress and i'm not trying to rip on anyone in particular but this goes to my overarching point in a lot of my episodes. Congress caves when the military gets involved. First off, there's too much money. There's too many things the military industrial complex is not telling Congress. And so they kind of use it as a weapon of a weaponization of fear, we can call it. And at the end of the day, it comes down to Congress will just let it slide because they don't want to get into beef with any of these lobbyists or private contractors having to do with the military. They know it's just a recipe for a disaster. So, of course, they're going to pass it first. Of course, they're going to pass it before they can even agree on a COVID relief bill. So it's very hard to say, but uh, I want you guys to uh, let me know what you think in the comments. And we will catch you guys tomorrow morning. Thank you very much.